0: I'm Lindsay and I'm Marshall welcome to tumble the show where we explore stories of science discovery
1: today we're talking to a scientist who is changing the way we think about dinosaurs and going all the way to
0: Antarctica to do it spoiler alert dinosaurs once roamed Antarctica and they sounded much different than we think
1: Our listeners, what they think dinosaurs might have sounded like, and how scientists would find out.
0: This is the tea breakfast. Scientists may study how um, the dinosaur's throat and mouth moved like, so we know what the dinosaur sounded like, and it will be super cool. How about by looking at the bones and seeing what kind of animal they're related to now? You can like take the fossils, kind of like look at where the vocal cords were, and kind of get like the shape. I think the dinosaurs would say, wow, you look delicious! And I think the dinosaurs could say, hey, good looking.
1: That was Carolyn and Rosemary, Caleb and Hazel, Elliot and Ella. Marshall, what do you think dinosaurs might have said to each other?
0: I think dinosaurs might have said things like, excuse me, Jeeves, there's too much sugar in this tea.
1: We can't know exactly what ancient dinosaurs would or would not have said to each other, but we might know what they sounded like thanks to this scientist.
2: I think I was heavily influenced by Indiana Jones, and this was a series of movies that came out. They involved this sort of intrepid explorer who went around discovering new things all over the world. That's kind of what I wanted to be, so I used to dig things up in my backyard. That's Julia Clark, a paleontologist
1: at the University of Texas, Austin. I have to say that I think Julia is one of the coolest scientists I've ever met. She's been involved in some of the most exciting discoveries about dinosaurs and birds over the past decade.
2: Do you feel like you are an explorer now? I do feel like I'm an explorer now. Um, You know, do I get to live the life of an explorer every day? I only get to be out in the field or, or out discovering things a part of every year, but... The discovery process extends to my office.
1: I got to interview Julia in her office. Looking around, her desk is filled with papers, her shelves are full of books, and her walls
2: are covered in art. So I like beautiful things, and I think science is beautiful. And so I have some historic illustrations of birds and some dinosaurs, and then whatever I'm working on, which sort of accumulates.
0: Hmm, I mean, there's not much discovery going on in our office, except for maybe some, like, dust bunnies.
1: (laughs) Or crumbs from yesterday's lunch. (laughs) Perhaps. But Julia is a scientist, which means discovery is practically in her job description. So the story starts pretty long time ago. Julia was just getting her start as a paleontologist, and she was interested in the evolution of birds.
2: I started out working on various bird skeletons that were collected by teams from Argentina who went to Antarctica, specifically a little island called Vega Island, discovered that they represented a new species.
0: So she discovered a new species from Antarctica? Was this like a polar dinosaur with white fur all over its body?
1: (laughs) No. Back during the late Cretaceous period, 100 to 65 million years ago, Antarctica was not a cold
2: place. The land masses that are underneath the ice were covered in the highlands by lots of trees. There were flowers that lived along the coastlines. This avian or
1: bird-like dinosaur looked kind of like a large duck and lived
2: in the Antarctic forests. They were a very important part of bird evolution because they showed that at least several living bird lineages were around during the age of dinosaurs. For example ducks and geese and relatives of chickens and relatives of weird things like ostriches.
0: Ostriches are always the strangest relative at the bird family gathering. Like, everybody's like, ostrich, you're into weird stuff.
1: (laughs) So Julia made this big discovery and thought she was done with the dinosaur duck ancestor. But years later, she came back to it because the original team of scientists had found a second, even better preserved skeleton.
2: I had started thinking about the origin of birdsong So whether there'd be any fossilizable remains that could tell us about how birdsong evolved. Well, it happened that I was looking at CT scans of the fossil. A CT scan is
1: like an x-ray. It gave her a view inside the fossil. I saw a structure in there.
0: A structure, like a modernist dwelling.
1: It was a tiny fossil inside the fossil. It looked like a tube with two smaller tubes branching off at the bottom.
2: I really don't think I would have looked twice at the structure, except that I had already been talking with some physiologists, people who study birdsong, about what we might look for in the fossil record. She'd been asking herself the question,
1: if we could find the remains of an ancient bird windpipe...
2: What would it look like? I was sitting here right where we are today, and I was looking at the CT scans on my computer, and I said, I think it's a syrinx.
1: A syrinx is the organ that birds use to make sound or song. In humans, it's called the larynx, and it's in our throat.
0: Oh, wow. So you just happen to be looking at this fossil and thinking about finding a syrinx, and then she saw it? Yeah. So... What did that make her think that the dinosaurs sound like? Like, did they roar? Did they go, like, roar? No. <laughs> Was it more like, me? <laughs> no. <laughs> caw <Caw-caw! laughs> Closer. <laughs> it's very
1: likely that no dinosaur ever roared.
0: No way. I saw Jurassic Park. They roared in there.
2: Well, we know that roaring is not true. Because think of the animals that you know roar. You know, like a lion. We imagine that because dinosaurs are big and scary, they sound like big and scary predators today, which are mostly mammals related to us. But we know dinosaurs are not closely related to any of those animals. They are most closely related to birds and crocodilians, neither of which produce sounds that sound like a roar. It's pretty unlikely that a dinosaur mealtime went down the
1: way it's depicted in Jurassic Park.
2: I don't know why they'd be so angry, too. They always seem angry right before they're about to eat, and they should be, like, really happy. (laughs) Like,
0: wait, wait, hold on, prey animal. Just hold still. I'm going to take a picture, put it on Instagram.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag foodie, hashtag dinner time.
0: (laughs) So if dinosaurs didn't roar, what did they sound like? Were they more like birds?
1: Julia's discovery of the syrinx suggests that they didn't sing like today's birds. She thinks they might have sounded more like a crocodile or even an ostrich. In case you're wondering what that sounds like, here's a crocodile. Here's an ostrich.
0: I wonder if T-Rex would be scary in Jurassic Park with weird ostrich claws. That's really not scary.
1: (laughs) I know, but you have to admit that would be amazing. I would watch a version of Jurassic Park like that. They might want to hold back on editing, because Julia might have some other suggestions. The discoveries she's made about dinosaur sounds are part of a
2: much bigger question about the dinosaur world.
0: Ooh. I want to know what that question is. What is it?
2: We know we have an extinction event, where all of these other dinosaurs go extinct, but birds survive. And we don't know why.
0: Oh, yeah. I guess nobody knows why ducks and ostriches even exist. Like, they're weird. (laughs) (laughs) Now that you mention it, that's an incredibly good question.
2: I wanted to find more of this early, of these fossils that would tell us about what birds were doing right around the time that all of the other dinosaurs went extinct. And so to do that, the best fossil birds in the world from this time period were coming from this island in Antarctica, and that's why I really wanted to go back to see if we could find more. This is Julia's Indiana Jones moment. She gets to be an explorer out in the field.
0: Go get her pith helmet.
2: I had worked a lot in extreme deserts where it might reach 120 degrees. Antarctica is essentially, parts of it are are similar to a desert, but it's very cold.
1: So before she takes off on an adventure, she has to get practical.
2: I didn't know what to expect. I think the first trip I spent a lot of time figuring out if I had the right socks. She lands on Vega
1: Island with the right socks and then she spends over two weeks camping out, which looks a lot like camping out anywhere else.
0: But colder, and I'm assuming you can't go to the bathroom at the campsite, because there is no campsite.
2: You have to go down to the beach, and sometimes the beach is occupied by some very large seals that do not want to let you use the area that has been designated for um, such activities. Okay, so you have to fight it out with seals in order to go to the bathroom.
1: Correct.
0: Man, I thought finding a spot in the state park was rough.
1: (laughs) Just remember, you could be in below freezing temperatures, fighting
2: off a herd of seals.
0: (laughs) So what about the fossil hunting explorer part? Like, that's the glamorous part, right?
2: Looking for fossils really involves walking around, looking at the ground. And I look for really tiny things because I want to find tiny dinosaurs
0: and birds. So no digging?
2: Nope.
1: The most important piece of equipment is an eye that's trained to separate fossils
2: from regular rocks. So it's crawling around on the ground, walking around, crawling over and over again for hours at a time, and you're just exposed to the elements for quite, you know, maybe eight hours out of the day, and then come back down to camp, cook some food, hang out. Everybody's cold. Um, Most people go to sleep.
0: Okay, but they're going to find the Temple of Doom later right?
1: For Julia, a good bird fossil is better than any hidden
2: temple. And she found a lot
1: of bird fossils.
2: We definitely had fossils that we found every day.
1: These fossils, having laid on an Antarctic island for tens of millions of years, get shipped all the way back to Julia's lab. And then Julia herself gets on a plane, defrosts her fingers, and gets to work.
2: Actually, I think my student's working on them right now. There he is. All right. Hey, we're gonna look at some Antarctic fossils,
1: Chris. Awesome. Chris was part of
2: Julia's team in Antarctica. We just have a couple of stuff, things so far, shipped here. Um, Julia shows me a big drawer full here, of fossils. Uh, um, some small pieces, possibly fragments of different vertebrates, teeth of, of marine reptiles and such from Vega. Here's Chris is working to identify some of these fossils. He's holding one in
1: his hand and writing in a notebook at the same time.
2: What are you working on right now, the
0: Metatarsus? Yeah, I'm going through everything we've got to try to figure out what this guy is. And it's looking either um, as a picture form or maybe a crane. Looks very crany. Cranny? Is that a technical term?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I think it, it communicates something though. <laughs> <laughs> it shows that discovery doesn't just happen out in the field. The work really starts when you're back in the lab.
2: So we're gonna be studying those over the next year and kind of seeing what they tell us. We are planning to go back to Antarctica. We don't have all of the answers we would want.
0: I mean, it's the nature of science to always be looking for more answers.
2: There's so much we don't yet know, and there's so much yet to discover. And the history of dinosaurs or their biology is not yet completely known. And that's not a problem of science. That's the process of science. In the last 20 years, you know, we've learned that many dinosaurs were feathered. We've learned something about the color of dinosaurs. We've learned more about what dinosaurs might have sounded like. We've learned about new places where we had never found dinosaurs before, a new species of dinosaurs. It's not over. We're still in an age of discovery, and we need that commitment to find out the next part of the story.
0: So it sounds like there's still a lot to learn about dinosaurs.
2: I know.
1: And it could be scientists who are kids now making the discoveries, just like Julia became her own kind of Indiana Jones. Thanks to Julia Clark, professor of vertebrate paleontology at the University of Texas at Austin. You can find out more about Julia and her research
0: on our blog at tumblepodcast.com. Also, thanks again to the awesome listeners who recorded their dinosaur sounds, or as you would say in dinosaur, our intern is Andrea Gonzalez. Our
1: assistant producer is Sarah Lentz. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I write
0: and produce this show. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I make all the music. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.